0: Welcome to Transistor Radio, a story this far podcast that's broadcasting everything trans. I'm your trans sister, Erin. And I'm your trans sister, Athena. And today we have a little discussion topic that's uh, rather interesting, and I'm not sure either of us have a real solid answer for it either.
1: Yeah, so uh, we're doing a conversation, if you couldn't tell by the title, on stealth versus not stealth. Um, This isn't going to be like a debate on, well, you should be stealth because, or you should not be stealth because, but more like a discussion on, on why we've kind of landed in the path that we're in now. I was going to say chosen, but I don't think I chose the result that I'm in now. Exactly. Um, And so I think it's, it's just going to be an interesting dive into why we are or are not stealth, what aspects of our life are or are not, and um, what we kind of consider ourselves to be. So that's the general gist of the topic. Um, it's a little vague this week. It's not as clear as it has been in some weeks, but I think that's right. okay.
0: Yeah. And we, we were mulling over some ideas, and this is one thing that kind of, I feel like we've talked about it in passing multiple times, but we've never actually said that and really considered the idea of, we, I, I, I'm in the belief that nobody can be 100% one and 100% the other, really, 100% of the time. i mean i've seen that's kind of yeah
1: yeah i think a hundred percent of the time is is true like i've seen i've i've met some people or like i wouldn't say met because i have met them in person but i've encountered them online um who who are trans and are like stealth all the time in their physical lives and then are sometimes you know interact with the trans community online only um but yeah it's it's certainly an interesting world it's not one it's one that I've had experience with, sort of, in hindsight. <coughs> um, just, like, through accident, I guess, um, mm-hmm. is the best way to say that. But um, for let's also go ahead and, and say, for those who might be listening to this episode and have no idea what we mean when we say stealth, um, stealth is when a trans person makes the decision to, in whatever way, essentially cut ties with their trans identity. They choose, for whatever reason or whatever it is that they want. Um, Sometimes they just want privacy. Sometimes, you know, they might want to, you know, not have to deal with the trans community, whatever. Like there are tons of reasons. A a lot of times it's a safety thing. I've seen that for a lot of trans people who, they didn't feel safe presenting as trans and or letting people know. And so they take an active measure to keep themselves from being found out as trans and present themselves essentially as cis. So that's stealth in a nutshell. Uh, It takes on much like everything with the trans community, it's really hard to define like one answer of what stealth is and what stealth isn't, because all of us have different experiences. In the same way that I can't, you know, define exactly what it means to transition, you know, I also can't define exactly what it means to be stealth or even exactly what it means to have a gender or whatever. Like it's all it's all very much up up to interpretation. And in that sense, stealth is a very personal thing. It's a thing that um, it's, there's no clinical definition of you're either stealth or not stealth. In that sense, I suppose our title is a little misleading. Um, But, um, you know, I I think it's, it is very personal and it's a thing that takes on a different form depending on each person. Some people, you know, just as a bare example, keep it. they, They don't tell anyone they're trans unless they're asked. That's where I fall. Um, I, I don't talk about it unless it's brought up, or I'm in a community where I know it's safe, I'll bring it up if it's necessary. Um, but I'm also not afraid to bring it up and talk about it, and so it does sometimes come up in my personal life. And then there are other people where they keep it out of their personal life completely, and it only comes up online. And then other people where there's even more. Also, um, I do want to say, uh, stealth has the connotation of you are post-transition, so. A male to female person who is still presenting male isn't stealth. They're not out yet. A person who is male to female and is now presenting female and has chosen not to tell anyone they're female or whatever stealth means for them is now stealth. So it typically has the connotation that you've already transitioned and are not presenting as your old gender anymore. Yeah, you've had um, whatever a point that
0: means. Where you can physically present and Not have that questioned and not have to do any sort of, you know, double takes of I'm this at work or this at home. It is I'm just this way all the way out. And that is kind of the given context of the situation of being like, in order to be stealth, you are in all aspects presenting the way that you are. So it's it's that kind of stage. Like I didn't hit this stage until like last month. So
1: Yeah, yeah. (coughs) Yep. So that's a brief overview of what
0: stealth is. Um Aaron You want to start with with what it means to you, where your journey is. Yeah. Uh, So for me, I see stealth as like a really big, useful tool. Uh, It's sort of a, this is probably not a healthy way to think this. For me, it's almost a goal in some aspects. Um, Just because I don't, I, I live in a rather conservative area that is not as trans friendly as we would like it. And it's, I won't say that on my day-to-day life, I am physically in danger, but I can and have been harassed for certain things in certain ways. Um, and so for me, it's a convenience thing of, I just wanna live my life. Um, I, if I had the ability to be openly trans with every single person I ever met, you know, go to the restaurant, do whatever, have these discussions, however that came up, I'd be cool with that, provided I didn't have that negative connotation that would come along with that where I currently am, and so for me, stealth is like I just want to be able to not draw attention or not look out of place wherever I'm going, and that's that's kind of what I'm I'm going for whenever I think of that. Um, I am totally happy letting friends know, uh, even acquaintances to a certain point, of just letting them know, hey, I'm trans because surprise, I talk about stuff a lot. <laughs> And yeah. there's, there's some aspects of being trans that I, I really do celebrate and enjoy. Like, I, I don't consider myself trans and then woman. I am a woman who is trans. And yep. where I identify myself as being a woman straight up first and foremost, trans is still a part of who I am. <laughs> and it's still relevant to my conversations, how I feel. And so I will usually try to go for being stealth to a person where I to my best ability am uh received as cis until I feel I can trust this person enough or they say something that's relevant or I feel safe enough in that community wherever that is if that's at work if it's with friends or with whoever uh then I can kind of let that slip but for me this experience is actually fairly limited because I came out to the world uh (laughs) just saw, like a month yep. and a half ago every yep, single yep. person i have ever known up until now uh now knows i'm trans which obviously that's gonna happen if they didn't know that they would just kind of think oh such and such fell off the face of the earth and i haven't heard from them ever since uh so that that was something that i kind of took into consideration go i would rather them know me as Aaron and be me than have them think this person never existed this person is here now and we're moving forward and so this whole aspect of meeting people i've never met before transition uh, and them not knowing i am trans that's a it, it it's interesting to me and it's a little hard for me to kind of balance things out because uh for the most part every single person i've met they say oh i had no idea i had no idea <laughs> And mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Uh, the only way that, in fact, one of, my, uh, one of my recent friends found out, strictly because they friended me on Facebook, and it was in the time, like, a week after I'd come out to everybody, and so they saw my name, and then they saw I was tagged in a post, and they went to my post and then read my coming out post, and went, oh, my God, I had no idea. So That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was totally cool with this person knowing. Anyway, in fact, I was going to bring it up. The next day, I just didn't get a chance to bring up a conversation at that point. So that, yeah. that's an interesting aspect that I, I almost get a little of enjoyment of going, I know something you don't know, and I get to share something personal about myself. And so when it comes to friends and stuff and being stealth, I will do it for my own safety to a point where I will feel comfortable discussing things with this person. And if I don't feel comfortable with it, I may bring it up in a place where i feel safe enough to i so i can know like i don't want to talk to this person again or they're cool with me being me or if they don't understand it but don't really care cool whatever <laughs> we can still talk you know yeah um yeah so for me it's not something i'm 100% of the time going for i don't i i want it just enough so that the aspect of me being me does not interfere with my fucking life on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. where it previously would not have you know
1: that makes sense yeah um i'd say that's that's kind of my basis as well um i'm in a similar boat of there's a lot of people that i like i've met a lot of people since going full-time who didn't know i was trans who now know i'm trans um, cause a lot of the people I've met, um, and I guess it's, it's a little hard to estimate or, or like to, to, to state because, um, there are, I have different like levels of people who, who would know I'm trans or, or whatever. So like the average person I meet on the street, I try very hard not for them to not know I'm trans. Like I, when I'm out and about, I want to be like Aaron said, seen as a woman. I don't want to be seen as a trans woman. Um, and I'm very lucky where I'm at in transition. Like I mentioned previously, like my transition is over. So for me, I feel like I've reached that point. Um, and so for the most part, pretty much everyone I meet now has no idea. I'm trans until I tell them, um, like Aaron said, I met a lot with when I tell people of like, oh, I had no idea, um, is the usual response I get, um, so for me, though, like the way I decide to tell people is on a need to know basis. So like um, partners or, or prospective partners are on a like, in my opinion, a need to know basis. Um, I I want to tell people like that, like, hey, I'm trans. This is a part of me. This is a big deal. Um, it's also especially now that we've started the podcast a little harder to keep quiet from people who I know very intimately, because if I ever mention that I'm a podcaster, now they're going to know as soon as I talk about that and doing a podcast is something I I like quite a bit and something I'm pretty passionate (laughs) and want to talk about so if I'm going to talk about people about podcasting I have to talk about being trans not to mention the fact that if anyone ever googles me they'll know almost immediately so I'm I'm one quick google search away from being outed and I've made the decision ever since starting the podcast that I'm okay with that that um you know if someone wants to take the time to google me to find out that i'm trans like i'm okay with that that's for me that's like stealth enough i'm i want to be where where i'm at and and where i maintain to be is i don't want to like advertise i'm trans to everyone because to me that carries danger with it um there are people you're going to meet who do not like trans people and will tell you in many ways and so for me I wanna keep it quiet unless I know I can trust the person or I feel comfortable around the person. And So if the person knows my name and knows of me, that's usually a good sign that they're probably gonna be okay. Cause generally, if I'm talking with somebody long enough to have a conversation, they're probably gonna be okay people, mm-hmm. I think. Um, But then there's also this whole other area of, of people, which is like, so far, I, I'm just now starting in on the, the part of my life where People won't have to know unless I tell them. And what I mean by that is, for example, I, my, my like realm of acquaintances are I have close friends and all of my close friends have known me since before I transitioned or met me through the context of being trans. So like Aaron met me on a trans gaming discord server, so we both knew we were both trans. So like we both knew that going in. Um, so all of my personal friends knew when they met me, I was trans. I then also have these, like, people who are, like, acquaintances, like, people I play magic with at the card shops. And nowadays, because I don't go to the same card shops that I used to go to, um, all of those people, unless they've, like, googled me or asked me about it, which I've only ever told one person I play magic with, think I'm just a woman, as far as I know, as far as they've let me know. Um... So I've never had a conversation with any of them. They've never made any indication that they Googled or figured it out or whatever. So as far as I'm aware, everyone who I encounter who's not in my friend circle is no doesn't know I'm trans. And then the other level of friends or of people in my life, aside from family, it's pretty obvious that family knows I'm trans. (laughs) They were there when I was born. (laughs) So, you know, that one's obvious. Um,
0: They kind of see you regularly. They might have might have yeah, noticed a change here and there of
1: her. <laughs> might years, have figured that out years. at some point. Maybe like the fact that they were the first person I told first group of people I told was <laughs> had something to do with it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Family knows. Um, and then also now the last group, which is the group I want to talk about, is coworkers. Because I've had this weird spot where I've been out to 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 or like like I've been full time since March of last year. And since then, I've had three jobs, so I, I just got a new job. I start it tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, woo, great. It's a job that pays enough. I can finally move out of woo. my parents' house. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, so anyway, exciting news. But to get to the point, um, my first like, job that I had when going full-time is obviously a job that I transitioned at. I've told that story that I worked there and I went full-time there and everyone was cool with it. But obviously, everyone there knew I was trans. Then the second job I went to, um, like I mentioned, when I interviewed with that person, I had to tell them I was trans because, like, my references didn't necessarily know me as my new name. Um, So my boss knew going in that I was trans. And then because, like, what ended up happening is because I got approved for SRS, I was going to be taking six weeks off work. And people were like, oh, wow, you're taking six weeks off work. And I'm like, I'm not going to lie to people and be like, oh, yeah, it's just a vacation. No, they're all going to know it's a surgery. And then when they ask what surgery, like, I don't want them to be like, oh, my God, what if she has cancer? Like, I want it to be like, I'm just going for a cosmetic I'm surgery. a USB
0: uh, it's... battery pack installed so I can my phone with my pinky finger.
1: <laughs> no, 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 I'm getting a receptacle. Oh, there you go. Installed. There you go. It should have It's, it's gone with still the USB a USB port. Receptacle. I'm just saying
0: <laughs> it's the USP port. That's no, true. It that doesn't work. <laughs>
1: stupid ringtone it's off now
0: now I'm just gonna start texting you anyway it's off.
1: try it I dare you um haha <laughs> it's off that's right <coughs> fool me once shame on you fool me two or three times again because I got three messages all in a row still shame on you fool me the, the fourth time and it's on vibrate so no one heard <laughs> <laughs> so no there
0: you go but yeah going back to that uh, that work thing that's that's one of the interesting things that I I've enjoyed and I forget that people don't know if that's a thing but I also yeah no that's totally a thing uh, at my work I am under the assumption of if they don't know they don't care kind of thing because to me I think it's fairly obvious for a lot of things the way things are going Um, but given previous experiences apparently it's not as obvious as I thought uh but I have some people that I am good work acquaintances worth with I wouldn't say work friends uh I only have like one work friend uh and like they're they're cool enough people that I know if they knew they'd be cool with it and if they don't know they're cool with me anyway so <laughs> uh it's just one of those parts of myself that It's like my default, but not because it's what I'm going for. It's just uh, mentioning being trans in places like work and uh, the acquaintances that come in or out. uh, It doesn't seem relevant to the conversation 90% of the time, whenever it's a work conversation. So, like that, that's one of the things that I'm not intentionally being stealth. I enjoy that, I can just walk down the hall without getting stink eye from somebody. Uh, But like, I'm not undercover, deeper, or whatever. It's gotten to a point now where I'm just not wearing makeup at work like most days. Uh, And some days my dysphoria does get bad enough that I'm like, I'm fucking doing this, I can't do this to myself. Uh, But almost all this week, with the exception of Friday, I had no makeup on. I had some issues with facial hair coming through that nobody saw, uh, and the the only reason I did it Friday was because it was a dress up day and I wanted to do a special little thing. It was the it was like a whole uh, not I won't say a costume but a certain outfit kind of style day and I was like I want to look pretty, so I did that. Yeah. Um. It, but it yeah. wasn't because I felt I needed to in order to be stealth. Which I feel like up until these last yeah. week or so, I've almost felt a need for that. But not because of other people necessarily, but for myself. Um, yep, yep, I would agree.
1: I wore makeup because I wanted to be happy with how I looked. Yes. Back when I used to wear makeup. And then the more and more I stopped feeling like I needed that, the more and more I was like, no, I, I don't need makeup. The Mm -hmm. more that started happening, where I was like... Because, like, it started... It's almost like an anti-drug. Like, makeup is the drug, and this is the answer. Where, like, the more I went out without makeup, the more I was like, wow, everything's fine. The world's not burning. Agreed. No one cares. I'm just a girl. And then the more I did that, the more I was like, why do I need makeup?
0: Totally agree. And then
1: I haven't worn makeup since. Except for one time where I went on a date with somebody. And that was it.
0: Yeah. I was was actually... What was I talking about? Oh, it was my it was one of my friends who was out in a different state i i knew them here and then they moved out uh, they were mentioning something going on with one of their weddings about makeup and all that and they mentioned they are they are a cis girl um and they mentioned that for them makeup is like super super calming and super just like a zen kind of thing where they they can focus on like foundation and then this and then we're gonna do this and like it's almost sort of and and i feel i feel that same way it's, it's very calming for me um and that's why it became such a regular part of my morning routine was because this is how i center myself this is how i do this and then it started uh to be almost a little bit of a crutch in a bad way like i started if i didn't have makeup i would think negatively about myself and so i've, I've stopped that yeah which is good but
1: <laughs> yeah yep i had the same thing um where like that's why that's another reason i don't put it on that much anymore is i feel very much like it's almost stressful for me because it's like if i don't get this right then it's gonna look weird and then it's gonna be make things worse and so i'm like the more i do it the more i get stressed out i'm like no i messed it up i have to start over and then i just don't need that i don't need those nerves
0: for me it's my right eye and it's always when i try to do a wing on my right eye I can get a perfect one on my left one every single time, which sucks because my hair covers up my left eye most of the day. Ah. <laughs> and so yep. the one that's exposed yeah. is my right one. And then for whatever reason, my right one just sucks like every single day. I've got like this weird little dent. It's I, I It looks like a scar. I want to say it's a wrinkle. It's not a wrinkle. It's like legit some sort of scar. I don't know where I got it. I don't know how I got it. But it's just folded just right So that whenever I pull a pencil Or a liquid liner thing It just like it, it will bend And then it will flick And when it flicks It always does that And it's like Okay maybe if I come at this angle Nope it just says the other way And so But, hmm. but, but now When I'm putting on makeup It's for Me to celebrate me To feel happy And I feel good When I'm dressed up Not because not yeah. Not just because I look good but, like it it's a celebration of who I am instead of a construction of something workable, if that makes sense, like it's gone from being this this uh, skeletal infrastructure that is the absolute core of my daily presentation to being decorations on a mantle that makes it look nicer, you know, an already nice mantle yeah, that looks yeah. nicer, <laughs> so
1: yep, yep. Yeah, which kind of brings us to an interesting thing about stealth that I think is true for both of us is we've both kind of accidentally fallen into stealth. Like for me, I I never intended to be stealth. In fact, I've always said time and time again like I don't want to be stealth because I want to be engaged in an activist for the trans community. That's why I started the podcast is I want to be able to add my voice to the trans discussion. I want to be there as a resource for people. I want to be able to, to help and give information because I know when I was transitioning, the thing that helped me the most was information from other trans people who had already done it. So I don't want to be like lose that part of the community and not be able to contribute. Um, and so for me, um, what, what ended up happening, though, is the more that I distance myself from the moment that I went full time, the more that I distance myself from these moments where I have to tell people because like I'm going away for surgery or I'm literally going full time, the more and more I get away from these have to tell people yes. moments, the more and more I find myself not really caring to tell people, the more I start... To kind of just forget that it's a thing Mm -hmm. that people might want to know, and it feels less and less relevant every day in the sense that, like, it it doesn't matter at work, because going forward, this is the first time in my life starting this new job where, or I guess not in my life, the first time since I've known I was trans and had a coming out table where... My job is no longer impacted by me being trans other than the fact that I have one more follow up checkup appointment, which is in December. Like, that's it. And even then, I don't need to tell my doctor or tell my boss, hey, I'm going away for SRS and SRS checkup. I can just tell her, oh, I saw a specialist and I need some time off to go see that specialist and they're far away. I don't even have to specify what specialist it is. Exactly. And so the more I get away from those big milestones like SRS, the ones where you're going to be away for a long time Mm -hmm. and have to tell people, or at least I felt like I had to tell people, Um, I I felt like it was necessary information to disclose because I didn't want people worrying about me. Um, the more I get away from those, the more I find myself not really needing that conversation. Obviously with some people, there are people that I feel need to know. But even with most of my friends and the people I've met, like when I meet new people like the people I play magic with, I don't feel a need to tell them because it's not relevant to my relationship with them. Right. They don't need to know I'm a trans person. Obviously, if I meet a trans person out in the wild who's like, hey, or, or who's, who's struggling with stuff, I want to be there as a resource and help them, and so I'll tell that person. But for most people that I meet on a day-to-day basis, and, like, the random people who I just passed by on the street, I'm just a woman, and I don't need to tell them anything different. And it was accidental. I never meant to be stealth. I never meant to get here. Exactly. Um, but I've kind of just accidentally had that happen and fallen right, into that right. role.
0: And, and for me, those moments where that breaks, where... Uh, you don't have this your license and everything is all changed is that right
1: yeah um the only thing that isn't changed so uh i had this moment with my interview for my most recent job my bachelor's degree is still under my old name which i need to get changed so that's it that's but that's the only
0: thing um everything else is under Mm -hmm. my current my my legal name and that's that's one of the things that i'm struggling with now um this past tuesday i got one of two things i need to initialize my uh, name change and gender marker process in my state i started this process eight months ago and i just got part of step one finished with me because it's relying on other people to get things done that involve the state thing so like this person has to be this exact formatted, saying this exact thing. It has to be notarized at this exact location on this date. It has to be formatted, sent to you. Now, I have a part that I have to take care of that is really hard to balance my work schedule because I work for the government, and the government hours are my hours. And so when I'm off work, they aren't open. And so I have to go get my fingerprints yep. done. So that's that's an issue that's coming up, especially with this election season. My voter registration and my current uh, state identification is my old presentation. Now, that being said, with regards to trans voting rights and everything that should not be an issue, but I anticipate it being an issue. Uh, the state that I'm in does not require yet, please. I hope it never does a state issued, uh, identification. So I should be able to show up, say, this is my card. Let's go. Uh, However, the more and more I read, the more it is that you don't match our records or the presentation. It says M here, you are F, or that's how they're interpreting it. They can deny things, and so the moments where that stealth, uh, that stealth kind of image breaks, um, are things that are almost the most terrifying to me because it's not I'm at a coffee shop with some friends or something it's I'm with a government yeah. official if I get pulled over by uh if I get pulled over by a police officer for speeding or a broken light I have to show my old id right now with my old insurance and then that causes a problem which yeah. has been a thing that's happened with me um <laughs> whenever yeah. I get carded for liquor I have to explain this is an old photo and then you have to go that and I have been denied services because yeah. of that um <laughs> yep and I thought this would be done in like six months I would never imagine that step one would just start eight months after I initially met with somebody to start this whole process. Like, that blows my freaking mind. Um, yeah. But those, those moments are the things that have been... They're almost so far removed from my day-to-day life that I am... Um, they actually cause my anxiety to flare up more so than it normally did. Uh, because when I had to do half and half, you know... Um, I, f- I I, almost anticipated things. I was in a constant state of anxiety. <laughs> uh, so yeah. when it came to... But now it's more like unexpected <laughs> yes, spikes. Yes, and that's been really hard. I've actually had a number of panic attacks, way more than I've previously had, over different things. Uh, but like, I, my overall anxiety is lower, absolutely. But these moments that just warp me back into that mindset will set me off really really hard like uh i don't know how i fucking managed (laughs) before before (laughs) this because yeah i feel i feel really stable in a lot of ways there's some things that are still working on but like i'm getting better and better every day about my anxiety and dealing with all my problems that are showing up because of what that entails and different parts of the depression that are coming back in different ways and dealing with that like i have a really good tool set and my foundation which it's built on which is who the fuck i am like knowing absolutely who the fuck i am is fairly secure way more secure than it ever was before and so the moments that rock my foundation of uh ma'am this is not your id ma'am this is a fake id that shakes the fuck out of me because like no it's fucking not but i can't do that and even when i out myself i can still getting denied because they still don't believe me you know
1: yeah yeah that's a thing that um like i think that kind of even more shows the idea that you kind of fall into being stealth because that's a thing that like i hadn't even thought about because like it was definitely a thing that happened for me when i first went full-time in march of 2017 um, I I immediately, as soon as I went full-time, filed paperwork to get my name changed. Luckily, the state I'm in, Indiana, is really quick about that. Um, I filed to have my name changed, and three months later, my name and gender marker were changed on my birth certificate, my social security card, and my driver's license. So every single document I have is up to date, except for my bachelor's degree, because I literally I just have to actually go <laughs> yeah. tell my college, and I spaced it. Um, so, like... I was very lucky in that it only took me three months, but for that three month period, like there was this moment before I would make a purchase where I'm like, if they ask to see my ID right now, right? Are they going to believe that this is my credit card? Because my ID doesn't look like me. Um, and it was these little moments of anxiety where for those first three months, like you said, Aaron, it was mitigated by the fact that I was still terrified and anxious the whole time because like, I was still only, I was brand new to being a woman. And so I wasn't really like, you know, well presenting as a woman. I shouldn't say being a woman presenting as a woman. Yeah. I was brand new to this whole, like, you know, wearing like skirts and stuff. And so I really didn't want to be asked those questions. But every time I made a purchase, I was worried that somebody would ask, like, can I see your ID for this card? And I'm like, oh god, please no. Uh, That actually happened, actually, at one of my local game stores that I go to. I walked up and showed them my Mm -hmm. credit card to make a purchase, and they looked at the credit card and then looked back at me, and they started to say, is this your, your, like, brother's card? And as soon as I heard the start of the word brother, I immediately said, oh, no, 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 no. It's -hmm. just an old name. (laughs) And, like, as soon as I said that, they got it. And I was very lucky that they kept going, but, like, Once I had all of my IDs changed and my credit cards changed and all of this stuff changed over, I lost that desire for people to know because it's so nice to not have to worry Mm -hmm. about it. Like, it is so much more relaxing to know that any random person I meet isn't going to know I'm trans. Because I don't have to worry now, how does that person feel about trans people? I don't have to try and gauge what that person's, you know, stake in life is. Are they a good person or are they a complete and total douchebag who hates trans people? Like, I don't have to figure that out anymore. I can just ignore it unless I really want to know them on a more personal level and share something, mm-hmm. these details. The the more I think about it, the more it's like, trans has gone from being a necessary identifier to a personal thing about my, my life story. I don't need to tell everyone that I'm a physics major. I don't need to tell everyone where I went to college i don't need to tell everyone i didn't i wasn't always a woman like i don't need to tell people these things anymore they've gone from being necessary like when i was in college it was necessary to tell people like i'm in college because i was a college student i would go and you know be on campus it was much more important to my day-to-day life but nowadays it's not really a thing i have to bring up and it's the same thing with with being trans and so i think once being trans kind of stops being something that has to be a necessary identifier. I think it's almost, for me at the very least, it's just very natural that it kind of fell mm-hmm. away to the wayside. It's now just another, it's just another adjective these days that describes me, no different you know, than that I'm a magic and, player or that I yeah. play video games or whatever. That
0: we were very fortunate to be able to kind of experience that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, we are. We are. We are very lucky to be here on this side of the fence, um, which is why I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Because I never thought I'd be having right. this conversation. Three years ago, me would not believe the words coming out of my mouth. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think it's interesting to see where things end yeah, up. That's, um,
0: I'm somebody who really loves a good plan. I will over plan the hell out of things because that gives me a sense of security. And so um, for, say, a trip to Disney... I'm the type of person who three, four, five days before the trip, I will plan out what rides I'm going to go, what time, when, where, use all my available tools like the Disney apps or whatever and do that. When it comes to simple trips like going down to another city to maybe go to a convention or go to a friend's house, I will plan outfits. This is my Tuesday, Monday, Monday. At this time, I'm waking up. This time, I'm going here. Five minutes later, I'm doing this exact thing. I like breaking things down like that. And so when I started this transition, Uh, I got to know my therapist and she was like, so you like lists, you like planning. Let's plan your transition. What does the end of this year look like? November next year, what are you going to have done? And I laid out this exact list. I think I can pull it up on my phone still, Uh, but I went through and said, by this month, I'm doing this. By this month, this happens. By this month, this is secured so that I can do this. By this month, this happens. By this month, it happens here. And I had this exact regimented list out. And let me see if I can pull that up. Uh, I'm just going to take a second. Here it is. Uh, Year one. By February, I start HRT. That happened in March. I come out to my mother, cousin, and sister, if possible, I take after I take my first treatment. That happened. Exactly. On the closest weekend to the first dose as I possibly can. Uh, March, I should receive my next year's contract for work, so I sign that. And then April, I focus on work. Uh, slowly getting things accomplished and then after a big meetup is done then I make plans with my boss beginning of May all of my stuff and trips are done so I find a HIPAA certified member of HR found out they don't have that (laughs) at least not in my department uh, and discuss Ah. my plans with that that happened in May exactly on schedule june and july i celebrate my new life start building things like my professional casual wardrobe that did happen i come out to my grandparents and father violetta the letter the only thing that didn't happen exactly as that was my father called me and i was just like "Fuck it ripping the band-aid off now uh and did that Around this time is most likely when I'm going to come out to the in-laws as well. That did happen, though not exactly as planned. Uh, I come out to my co-workers unless told via the district. That happened at the end of May, beginning of June. Still on schedule. I don't use Facebook, but about this time I make a coming out post on there. Exactly as happened. August, if need be, I present male until deemed appropriate to best come out. That was not the plan presented by HR. That was not the plan that I wanted with my life. I am fully presenting as female. Thank you very much. Uh, And start as miss and go about my life like that and then it's a five-year plan from there but i i I was reviewing this like literally i think it was thursday and i was like holy shit i stuck to this thing exactly as planned and i think back going did it go as smoothly as that fuck no it didn't (laughs) but somehow all this shit still managed (laughs) to get accomplished right around that same time and so it's so strange to me that I had this exact laid out plan, step by step by step by step, and what felt in the entire journey of it, everything got thrown out the window, is what it felt like, was like everything got turned around, everything that I planned for, everything that I anticipated that I could rely on, myself, my identity, who I could trust, what happened, a lot of that stuff burned the fuck up into smoke, but despite all that, I still went on this plan, and so for me... The fact that I am able to be stealth this early on, the way things are going, and just all of that, it's been just a weird blessing and not something I anticipated on, but happy to have, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, not something I anticipated on is like, I should have that like made on a shirt because that like describes my transition perfectly. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't really make a plan. Um, I suck at sticking to plans, so I hardly ever make them. Um, and when I initially started HRT, so first off, like I didn't expect to start HRT until like one year after starting therapy. I was like, there's no way I'm going to start. I've got too much other stuff to focus on. And then six months after starting therapy, I started HRT. I started in June. And then I was like, well, I'm not ever, I'm not going to be able to go full time for a long time because I'm going to be going to grad school and I'm going to be doing that for six years. I'm going to have to figure out when I can do it at grad school. I did one semester of grad school and utterly hated it. I came back from grad school. I went to work and I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to go full time before two years of HRT. I went full time after nine months of HRT. Um, I was said... There is no way I'm going to be able to get my name changed until a year after I go full-time. My name was changed three months after I went full-time. There is no way I'm going to be able to have SRS surgery before the end of 2019. I had SRS surgery in June of 2018. Right. And so, for me, like, I was very much a pessimist going into transition. I expected to still be dealing with parts of transition for the better part of a decade. Um, and... I guess like the the thing that i keep going back to and like it's very for me it was very accidental i fell into these opportunities i found these things that i could do to make it go by faster because i was obsessed i wanted it done i wanted dysphoria gone i wanted it fixed amazing what
0: your body torturing you can push you to you know accomplish isn't it
1: yeah really pushes your drive forward when you wake up hating yourself and it gets worse by the day um yeah and so, like, my weight loss was all pushed so much harder on. In, like, my weight loss, the, the, my transition only probably went so well because I focused so early on getting healthy. And the, the, the more and more weight loss, the more and more weight I lost, the happier I got with myself. And that meant the more weight I lost, the less I had to blame on my waistline and the more I had to blame on the fact I hadn't transitioned yet. Mm. Um, and, like, so, like, in some small way my transition and the reason I'm sitting here before you now 2 years later doing a podcast about the crazy story that is life um was my rash decision after getting turned down from a job in December of 2016 to buy buy an HTC Vive as a way to force myself to exercise because it's a lot easier to exercise when your games force when you can play video games that force you to move around and if I hadn't done that, I don't think I'd be sitting here do, having this conversation. That's so funny. Um, so for me, very much, my transition has been a series of rash decisions that happened to work out in the right way. <laughs> um, and so I, I just think it's, like, it's really impressive to me that your plan went as well as it did. But I also think, like, sometimes, especially, like, because I think this ties into stealth, too, right? Like being stealth was an accident it's a thing yes, i accidentally absolutely. Popped i didn't into. Fucking plan for any it it was a rash decision there was no plan here and so i think it's important when, during your transition through all parts of it is if you find an opportunity to make your life better to fix a part of it to make yourself happier and you can do it without endangering your life or burning or endangering out. your your financial yeah burning yourself out uh endangering your financial livelihood you know if you can do it safely and reasonably without changing without significantly worsening your life, go for it. Don't feel like you're stuck to a plan. Do the rash decision. For me right now, the rash decision is to not tell anyone I'm trans, which I never thought I'd be doing. I thought I'd be telling people for the rest of my life that I'm trans, mm-hmm. but here I am three years later, um, well, almost three years yeah. later, saying I'm kind of stealth right now, which is surprising. Yeah,
0: I think so. Yeah, that that is Something that I've noticed about myself, I've always been one who wanted to take the opportunities when they presented themselves. And I I did it before transition, probably two or three years, that kind of changed my personality of, here's a chance, I have to jump on it. But it was always a fear-induced thing. It was, I have to do this or else something bad's gonna happen. This is here, and if I don't do this, I'm gonna miss the one thing that I'm gonna you know take so it got be things like jobs it got me things like dates, whatever but as I've gone through transition and this is something that is I, I will say this is because of transition not because I'm more experienced with it. The act of impulsivity jumping on an opportunity that has shown itself, that has become so much more natural it's it's this confidence this assuredness in myself that lets me, you know, just fucking take the reins and do it and be ready for any sort of potential failure. Whereas before, that failure is all I could see and I would ride on until I hoped that it was gone. Now, I can see the option for that, but the opportunities of this cost a lot, I think I can make it if I do this and this and this is my thought process now versus... This costs a lot. I'm going to go into poverty if I buy this, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that, that kind of just security in myself, in my abilities, in my everything, I was missing that. And being stealth allows some of that to kind of shine through and gives me more opportunities in some ways. Uh, Being openly trans to some people also gives me opportunities because I can, reach out. I can help somebody who's in need. I can talk to somebody who's going through maybe not necessarily translate related things, but maybe something with sexuality or just something that they're struggling with at home. You know, I'm seeing chances on both sides of the coin here. And when it comes to self, we mentioned this at the start. For me, it's not a, I'm always this, I'm always this, but it's not even that. It's like, I'm not even trying to be this. I'm not even trying to be the opposite. It's Those opportunities that show up of saying, in order for me to have a better uh, level of interpersonal relationship with this person, if I mention I'm trans, I can get a deeper connection, have better conversations, and be a better friend. Or if it's a work-related thing, if I keep the personal stuff about me being trans out of it, I can get my work done faster. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Um, Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Double-edged sword. I don't think... I think um, we are both in the lucky position of... We only tell people when it's advantageous, when it's something we want to do. I Every time, with the exception of, like, right around my SRS, every time I have told somebody I am trans since going full-time has been because I wanted to share with them a part of my life and deepen that connection. And... I think that's interesting.
0: It's had a good note for us to move on to a really silly thing.
1: It is, <laughs> although before we move on, uh, there was one thing I wanted to jump back Teats. to, which was the whole voting thing, mm-hmm. and how you were worried that w- that made me think of it—a thing you might consider, and a thing anyone might consider if you are presenting as your assigned gender or as if you are presenting as your actual gender, um, but your. Uh, ident- uh, forms of identification are not up to date. Um, uh, I I won't give advice on this outside of the states because I don't know how it works. But in the in the U.S., in many states, you can request an absentee ballot. Um, an absentee ballot lets you vote without going to a voting place. Um, and essentially, you can mail your ballot in. So you can vote from
0: the comfort of your own home. I don't believe my state has that opportunity. I
1: th- I think every state's required to check it, it. but i would look into it i that, i don't know if it's true a for much every more state
0: preferred option if i yeah
1: i know i know in indiana you can um so i don't know if that applies to every state but it's worth looking into uh it's again it's called an absentee ballot um if you hey, feel like that's something that might I help do. you maybe look and see that up if if that's a thing I, you could do in your state if you want mistaken. to vote but can't present so there you go that's a that was a thing that you mentioned, and I was like, "Hey, this might be a piece of advice that's useful here."
0: All right. Hey, I had no idea so, yeah. about that. That's awesome. And my state does do it. I, w- I wonder what. Maybe mail in is what I was thinking. I don't know. We'll see. I, I was yeah. thinking maybe something else, but that sounds awesome. And I would much prefer to do that. Uh, yeah. Than having to present at a polling yeah. station where I'm going to be, see- I'm going to be in line with people who are actively going to another side of the room to vote against my rights. You know. <laughs>
1: yeah so i think i think that's why like so the reason i think they're required in every state is um for many states you are only considered a resident of that state if you've lived there for a certain amount of months and you are required to vote in your state of residence so say you move out of whatever state you're in say you're in oklahoma and you move to louisiana right Mm -hmm. you aren't considered i don't know what the exact i'll use indiana as a reference is say you live in indiana and you move to oklahoma um you are not considered a resident of oklahoma until you've been there for a certain number of months um and so you still have to vote as though you're a member of indiana but if you've moved states like to a state in oklahoma
0: you can't Uh, drive 12 hours to go vote here's here's the thing what? You may only vote by absentee if you are over sixty-five, you are disabled, you will be out of the county on election day, or you will uh, be confined okay. to jail. Yep. Okay. So that's so that's mind. what that's what I was thinking. Okay. That's
1: what that is. There we go. So never mind. Um. But it maybe is an option not for other certain people. states. It is an option. So maybe look it up. Maybe see what your state's requirements are, and if there's an option for you to vote without going to a ballot, uh, a voting place. Okay. Um. I don't know if it's going to be true for every state, but definitely look it up if if you're worried you about that. it. That is actually um, really.
0: Handy information i'd like to look more into it
1: no problemo so there we go that's the last thing i wanted to say that's our conversation on stealth versus not stealth the answer is i don't know accidents happen <laughs> 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 um all right so with that uh Aaron, was there anything else you wanted to say on our main topic before we move on to our really silly thing i think i am totally ready to move forward all right so we're on to a really silly thing a really silly thing is going to start on a downer note um, today's really silly thing was inspired by two pieces of news that I found out this week. Uh, which is the first piece of news is that Wildstar, my favorite free to play MMO of all time, is closing down either this year or the start of next year. All of its server, there was one server, all of its server are getting shut Aww. off. Um, it was a so the game is going to end soon. The developer just went out of business. Aww. Um, So, that was the first piece of sad news, and then the second piece of sad news was that my favorite handheld console of all time, the PlayStation Vita, which I actually have sitting next to me and was playing earlier today, is also dying. Uh, All manufacturing on Vitas and physical Vita games are stopping in 2019. So with that, that got me thinking, what are some fun games that I enjoyed on dead consoles? And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Games that you may have missed on a previous generation on consoles that aren't manufactured anymore that might be hard to get. Um, you know, Maybe you can get an emulator to play some of these games, but uh, Aaron and I wanted to talk about um, games that are of yesteryear, games that we enjoyed, uh, either as children or that we found later on after the console mm-hmm. was stopped being manufactured. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and start with one. I have two. Um, the one I'm gonna start with is uh, Gravity Rush on the PlayStation Vita. Um, this is not my favorite. The one I'm gonna talk to in second is my favorite. Uh, the reason I'm specifically shouting out Gravity Rush on Vita is because I wanted to talk about a Vita game since the Vita is going to be dead soon. Um, The Vita is an awesome handheld, by the way, if you've never played it. You can get them super cheap now on eBay, especially now that they've stopped being manufactured. And there's so many good games on the console. If you're coming into it now, like, super worth picking up. There's a lot of awesome co-op games. Um, Like, there's, if, if you and a friend both get one, there's so many cool games you can play. A lot of, there's a lot of spins on the hunting genre. So if you like Monster Hunter, there's a lot of really interesting takes on it on Vita, like a game called Freedom Wars, for example. Uh, which is a game where it's a third-person shooter. It also has melee combat with combos, uh, and it has a grappling hook um, that you can latch onto any surface with that you can hunt monsters in. So you hunt giant monsters across these zones um, all in the Vita. It's super fun, and it's four-player co-op. So there's lots of options out there. It's also a super great console for JRPGs and uh, uh, indie games. There's lots of options, so if you want an expansive library you can pick up super cheap because the console's about to be dead, Vita's a great option. And it's also, like, my favorite handheld. The hardware is just gorgeous. It's so pretty. (laughs) Um, But anyway, the game that I actually want to talk about is Gravity Rush. It's one of the few games on my Vita that I've actually beaten all the way through and gotten 100% completion on. It's an open-world, like, action RPG game where your character controls gravity. At any point, you can change the gravity in a setting to fly across um, the area. So like you can change the gravity so it goes sideways for you. So now all of a sudden your character flies sideways across the map and because fa- your character's falling. Um, so your character now falls in the direction you determined. And like I said, it's an open world action RPG on a handheld console that's the size of a smartphone. Like, it's shockingly impressive, it looks great, it has an awesome style, it's super fun to play, the music is a gorgeous, smooth jazz soundtrack, Um, and it's just all around a great time. Um, Part of the reason I wanted to talk about this one specifically is it was recently remastered, and it, it was a Vita exclusive, but you can now pick it up on PS4 as well. Not to mention that, but the PS4 version got a sequel, Gravity Rush 2. So, I super recommend, um, even if you don't have a Vita, if you have a Vita, pick it up because the ability to take this awesome open world RPG with you on the go is not to be understated as a reason why I finished it. Um, but even if you can't do that, pick it up on PS4. It's a phenomenal game. Um, you might have overlooked it, and it's worth playing. It's an absolute blast. So, Gravity Rush is my first one. What about you, Aaron? What's, what's one of yours?
0: So, I'm going to mention two. One of them's. It's on a dying console. It's old. I don't believe it's ever going to get a remake, uh, but it's, it's so well known that I almost feel like cheating, but my other one, I can almost guarantee hardly anybody's ever going to he- have heard of. Ah. Uh, in the background, what you are hearing right now is somebody who is sitting in the biggest of big-ass trucks- directly under my window with their big-ass diesel engine just sitting and churning, so I'm sorry, but it's been driving me nuts, and it will not go away. They just decided now's a good time to chill in my car for 30 minutes, I guess. Anyway. What a jerkwad. Anyway, my very first one is uh, Super Mario Sunshine on the GameCube. Yes, that's a good one. I hated it for the first five minutes, because the voice acting is garbage. Like, let's be real here. Yes, it is. All the voice acting was a terrible decision in every single way, and who they got to say what and why was awful. Now, the gameplay. (laughs) Uh, So for perspective, both of these games, I played around the same time. Uh, For those who are unaware, my parents divorced when I was about eight years old, six or seven or eight, somewhere around there. And it got really hard financially for us. So a lot of our games came as gifts or used. And so uh, my sister tended to play on the Nintendo stuff. And I got Sony uh, PlayStation 2, specifically the PS2, uh, for my kind of stuff. So she had Super Monkey Ball and Super Mario Sunshine and would play the crap out of those two. Well, she got super sick. She got mono. And oh, God. yeah, she got. It was bad. She was out for 12 weeks of school. Like, it was super fucking bad. Well, in that time, she and I actually kind of bonded, which is awesome. Uh, and so, what I remember about Super Mario Sunshine is uh, my sister sitting sick on the bed and with a thing of Lysol and fucking hand wipes. Uh, And we would play until we got a game over and then trade it back person to person, just like we used to do on the Super Nintendo. And it was such a nice little bit of normal normalcy that we got back because we used to do that before the divorce and all that with the uh, SNES. Uh, And so what I remember of that time was her and I sitting, chatting while she was sick as a dog and just passing that game back and forth. And so it was really sweet memories. And then later I came back to the game in high school, whenever she'd gone off to college, and uh, beaten it myself and played it myself. And so I have more memories associated with it there. Um, The water gun mechanic with the flood and all that, it was such a fun, creative thing. There were definitely rage-inducing moments, like the fucking Plinko machine. Uh, But I I love that a lot. Now, the second one is more individualistic, uh, still nostalgia. Like I said, we had financial hard, hardships, uh, but at the, at the time that I was playing this game, I was about 12, 13. Uh, and that was when my first, like, hardcore serious case of dysphoria that I remember hit me like a fucking truck and never let up. And I didn't know what it was. I had lost, like, all my friends that I had from elementary school. I had my cousin, and that was it. And we were the closest thing I had to a friend was hanging out there. And so I spent a lot of my time sitting in my room, or sitting in the living room, with uh, things like Grand Theft Auto, whatever. Well, we got our games second. It was more like 90 second hand uh, from Hollywood Video. (laughs) Those little $5 things from the discs that had like penises scribbled into them that somehow oh still worked you know those kind of things and so uh i remember it, it was i want to say it was the october or november of like 2000 2004 2003 2000 no i remember it was 2005 exactly 2005 uh, and it's kind of rainy it's kind of cold and my cousin's over Not for long. We drive out to Hollywood Video, and I see this game, and it's like a racing game, but it's not. And so I I pick it up, I take it home, I try it, and I fall in love in the first, like, three seconds. It is called Destruction Derby Arena, and that is the most Ah. generic-ass name they could have ever gone with. (laughs) Yup. But uh, it had, for the PlayStation 2, it had very good... In my memory, uh, like physics, you run into a wall and the hood would crinkle up, not in a predetermined little path like you would usually see in like a GTA game where you hit it with a bat, it crinkles up like there's an automatic dent. You hit a wall, it's the same dent. For here, it was you hit the left hand side of your car with this amount of force, it's going to crinkle up this much. If you hit it a little harder, it'll do a little more. And so it was like really good with that kind of shit. And that fascinated me. But it's a racing slash car fighting game. And so I remember on these cold, kind of damp, rainy days on the weekends where I couldn't really focus and I just wanted to kind of escape, sitting there with my PS4 controller just playing for hours running around in Destruction Derby, picking different cars and trucks. And really, I just loved to see how different things would like fold up. I think once you like totaled a car, it, it was cumulative damage. And so you could get it to where it was, like, a squash compact car folded in half, like, ah. a piece of pita bread or something that was, like, folded over and crushed. It was it was a really fun game. and I have a lot of memories uh, associated with that. But that was my kind of escape whenever I was first dealing with it. And I could never really find anybody else who played it. I have never found an emulation of it. But... I've always been hunting for a way to replace it. The closest game I got was, like, Burnout. But Burnout's gotten into the whole hardcore racing scene where everything's super realistic. With If you hit a bird, you can count the bacteria cells and the blood and all that stuff. Like, this was just a fun, ridiculous, smash these nasty cars up together, and then once it's dead, pick a new one, you know? And I I really love that game a lot. So, the Destruction Derby arenas. If anybody's got a... A PS2 and a copy. Send it to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> next time next time you and I see each other in person, remind me to show you a game called Gas Guzzlers Extreme. I have it on my computer, um, and it's another car combat game where you race. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if it'll nail that whole, like, just driving around until you total your car, but um, it's an absolute blast. Um, you might get a kick out of it, and it involves, like, crashing yeah. cars a lot. So. I always... Yeah, we should try it. Next I do remember home. being as a um, kid. Because it's it's I remember a as a kid
0: when we got the N64. One of the games I got was NASCAR 98. And I could never, mm, I never won a yeah. race. But all I did was drive backwards and slam cars into each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I need to show you that game. I need to remember that. Also, speaking of that game, Gas Colors Extreme, check it out on PC. It's a fun racing game where you shoot other people with cars and guns <laughs> mounted to your cars. And also run them oh off gosh. the road and stuff. It's a blast. Also, it has a great soundtrack. Heavy metal, hey. it's awesome. Okay, so my my second game uh, is, it is the only reason I still own a PSP. It is a game I hope to someday, which PlayStation Portable, by the way. Um, it is a game that I hope to someday find another copy of because I played it so much that I, so that, for those of you who've never used a PSP, um, they had this stupid little system called Universal Media Discs. And it was a little disc that was contained in a plastic case that you'd put in the back of the PSP and close the door on. And the PSP would spend a little, little disc that had the game on it. Not a cartridge, a disc. It was stupid because it was so easy Aww. to break. That being said, this, this game that I'm about to talk about, I played so much that it was in my PSP for so long that my PSP eventually wore the disc out. Twice, Shit. I broke two copies playing this game, uh, from just using it on a regular basis, and that game is Ringoku Two. The sub subtitle line is a stairway to heaven, but it's I just always called it Rengoku <laughs> Two, and it was phenomenal. You play an android whose name was A. D. A. M. Adam. <laughs> Blue. Yeah, you play an android, um, and your android is doesn't have a memory doesn't know what's happening it has these vague flashbacks of a war that it was a part of and the whole game is you're in a tower with other androids you have to defeat these other androids and you have to ascend the tower and there's 99 levels of the tower and the top level is called heaven h-e-a-v-e-n Heaven. and it's h dot Uh e dot a dot v dot e dot n dot yeah so you have to get to the top level of the tower i played this game so much you the way the game works is you you are a war machine as an android and so you unlock weapons and the weapons are your arms and legs and head so your head gets a gun mounted to it your left and right arm become guns or swords,
0: gun swords. You're,
1: legs become guns or swords and so like what's cool about it is you get these you basically have five weapon slots that you can equip and your combos change depending on what weapons you put in what slot so like if you have a sword on your arm you like dash forward and slash something if you have it on your leg you like leap at them and karate chop them if you have it on your head you bash your head on them with the sword like so what Buttons do what depends on what gun you put on what arm. And like, so every single thing about the game changes, and the way the combat works changes just by changing the guns. And you don't even have to get a different gun, you just have to put a gun on a different part of your body to change the combat. It was so cool. There were so many options that my tiny teenage brain could not handle them all. Um, and I had so much fun. I played through the game, so I played through all 100 levels of the tower. I think it was 100. I could be wrong, but I played through every single level of that tower, um, enough times, I think I beat it nine times over, so I essentially played 900 levels of that game. Um, it had a phenomenal multiplayer mode where you could battle against each other. Um, the way the game was laid out was almost like a roguelike, so every time you got to the top of the tower, you got to start over, um, and keep going. There was also another thing added where, like, Once you beat the main game, you could go through a bigger tower, which was 999 levels. Um, And it just got intense and it was randomized. And so like you'd go into a room and you'd fight the enemies in the room and then you'd have different doors you could go through and unlock and you'd have to go through all the doors and and grab the keys and all that stuff it was kind of like a dungeon explorer but with this ridiculously cool combat system um you got to loot all these crazy guns and every time you found a new gun or sword you were like what the fuck is this gonna do to my combo i don't know but let's fucking find out it was so good. I played so, so many hours of that game, and I hope someday to find another copy, because I still have a PSP, and that is the only oh reason gosh. why, because <laughs> they never released it for the PS Vita, because the Vita can play any PSP game that is on the store, so if there's a game on the PlayStation Store that's a, Vita, that's a PSP game, you can buy it and play it on the Vita. This is why my Vita has Monster Hunter Freedom Unite on it but they never released Rengoku 2 Aww. for PSP Digital, so I can only play it if I have a physical copy and I don't have a physical copy. It's so good. It's so, so, so good. If you find a copy, go check it out. You will have so much fun with it. It's such a good game. And it's all on a tiny little handheld that you can bring everywhere. That got me through so many vacation trips. This has been Athena with times. Sony Marketing. Thank good, you. Good, good, good times. <laughs> yeah, okay, for real, like, i the switch is the first nintendo handheld that i've spent more than like 10 hours with um well i guess the game boy advance as well because like there was no other options when the game boy advance was out um but as soon as the psp came out like i switched to sony handhelds hardcore like i had so many games on my psp um games like popolo Croi, which i've talked about as well that's another really good one one of my favorite jrpgs of all time um, and actually, Popo LaCroix is the JRPG that made me fall in love with traditional JRPGs, because before that, I only liked ones that were styled like Kingdom Hearts, um, because Kingdom Hearts was obviously the action combat, and so I only ever played JRPGs that had action combat, but Popo LaCroix, man, I fell in love with turn-based RPGs because of that. That one game. There were so many good games on the PSP. There are just as many good games on the PS Vita. I, I love Sony handhelds. I'm sad they're coming to an end Uh, because Sony has stated that with the end of the PS Vita, there will be no successor. I don't know if that's 100% true because they might do something like the Switch but for the PS4. Like I could definitely, now that the Switch has been successful, I could see them doing something like a super portable PS4, but I don't think we're ever going to have a standalone Sony handheld again, and that's sad to me because the PlayStation Portable and the PS Vita got me through my childhood and my college career, and I'm sad that that era is over. So uh, if you've never experienced either of those handhelds, go try and check them out. There's some really good games on there. Check out some used game stores, see what they've got. You'll you'll find some good games.
0: All right. Well, I suppose that wraps it up for us today.
1: There we go. Yeah, that's all I've got for, my, uh, for a really silly thing. All right. Well, Erin, was there anything else that you wanted to say?
0: I love our trans siblings.
1: Oh, I love our trans siblings too. Well, with that, This has been Transistor Radio, a Story Thus Far network podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to talk about, please send us an email to staff at storythusfar.com with either TSR or Transistor Radio in the subject line. You can also contact us via our Twitter page, which is at Far, or on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash storythusfar. And if you're like me and can't remember anything that I just said for more than 30 seconds, head over to our website at www.storythusfar.com. For this and even more great content. Thanks for listening to this episode of Transistor Radio. We'll catch up with you next time, but until then, it's time for us to end transmission. Bye. Bye. You go. Yeah, let's do it. I'm so ready.
0: Are are, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm so ready. ready? I'm so ready to
1: clap. I want to clap. I can feel it. I can
0: feel feel it. I can feel it. I don't want to synchronize. Why? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. All right. Synchronizing in three, two, one.